0: And good morning to you, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yencer on AM 1030 KVOY The Voice, daily in depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yencer, and welcome aboard to what we call around here Happy Friday Eve. It is our Thursday edition of Tipping Point with Zach Yencer here on AM 1030 The Voice. And without further ado, good morning, Matt, and to all of our listeners who really make the dream work around here. Good morning.
1: Morning, Zach. I got to remember two different names for each day of the week now, <laughs> or at least for five of the days. Well, four of the days really, because we don't—I don't think we settle on the Monday <laughs> name. But uh, happy Friday Eve to you, Zach. Uh,
0: Monday is its own is its own special beast. Monday <laughs> is Monday, and there's nothing else that needs to be called. But, okay. Uh, but uh, no, as if we didn't need to make your job harder, Matt, than give you <laughs> two names of the days of the week.
1: I'm, so. I'm making myself copious notes, and uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be up to speed on this at some point.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Well, on this Friday eve, this Thursday, uh, lots to talk about on the show. I'm looking forward to this show. Uh, but before I do, I want to say a big thanks to Matt and to Jeff Loxton, our guest host, yesterday for uh, making the show happen. while well, I had to step away for... Uh, something else. Everything's good. Just, you know, every now and again, uh, I uh, I have to leave it in the capable hands of somebody else and listen back to the show and, and thought it went really well. And, and how great to uh, highlight four amazing nonprofits across a diversity of industries and services that are uh, making this community better on Arizona Gives Day. So, Matt, I thought Jeff did a great job, and and thanks for being the the tour guide around the studio yesterday.
1: Yeah, me too. I, Jeff did a wonderful job. We, as you said, we heard from four great nonprofits and helped, to, I'm sure, to make Arizona Gives Day as successful as it was. So uh, it was a good day yesterday.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you missed that podcast, you can listen back to it, kvoi.com. .com forward slash podcast. You can listen to it on iTunes, Google Play Music, uh, Spotify. You can, uh, you can find us there. Uh, a, a good show today. You know, Matt, this week has been interesting because uh, we started with our Monday morning news hour, as we always do, and sometimes we have guests for that, uh, and sometimes we don't. By the way, Matt, I know I'm jumping around here, I'm really excited And I'm not gonna talk about sports. I thought I knew you were thinking that's where I was gonna go. I'm not talking about sports.
1: We're gonna get to what you what you promised us on Monday. Is that what you're gonna tell us?
0: (laughs) It is. It is. It is. But now before I interrupt myself and say I am really excited that this upcoming Monday morning news hour is gonna be with an old media person who's not in media anymore. Lorraine Rivera from Arizona Public Media is going to rejoin us as the Southern Arizona director for Governor Doug Ducey here All in Southern right. Arizona. So she's gonna be back on a Monday, as it turns out, uh, but not in the not in the media anymore. So for,
1: Former not old. Yeah, right, exactly. Well, that'll be great to hear from
0: her. <laughs> former <laughs> not old. Uh, but uh, but yes, Matt, that's is where I was ultimately or going. Erstwhile.
1: I guess I could we could we could go fancy on that. <laughs> we could. Erstwhile.
0: Oh man, time to get the thesaurus out. Um but no i uh I, I, Matt and I were chuckling because if you've been listening to the show I, I the Monday morning news hour was our time, you on the phone lines, me here in studio uh five two zero seven nine zero twenty forty and I thought I came in with. I think four topics, four segments, and I really didn't think it was going to be that hard to get through. But not only did we not get through what I wanted to get through on Monday, I still didn't get through it on a full day on Tuesday together. And that's because, and I love this, by the way, the phone lines were busy. We were talking about a number of topics that are on city and county agendas uh, this week. And uh, and homelessness really took up a lot of the uh, airtime here on the program this week, as well it should. And that was a great conversation. But Matt, I had listeners slap my hand a little bit because I kept saying two days in a row I'm going to talk about Space City of the Southwest and believe it or not people want to talk about that too so I can finally tell you that I'm going to get to that today so we're that that's where we're going we're putting everything else on the shelf we're going to talk Space City of the Southwest and then at the end of the hour Ruben Navarrete will be with us it's been a little bit since we had him on we're going to talk Matt Title Forty Two. And uh, we're going to localize the conversation as well. Of course, this is the change in, in migration policy. Uh, Title Forty Two was put in place when COVID nineteen hit in March twenty twenty. The Biden administration um, uh, finally pulled it back, and we're going to talk about the impacts of that. So, good show today, Matt. Hope you're ready. I'm ready, and the phone lines are open five two zero seven nine zero twenty forty. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he caught me leaning off of
1: first base, Zach. Sorry. <laughs>
0: Oh, I, you know, I got to try to get mad at least once a day and got see if I can't get pitcher. him trying to steal base. Yeah, <laughs> Nice baseball reference. I'm not a, not a huge baseball opening fan. Opening day. Yet, so I'm not going to take people off on that detour for and opening And we're day. not a sports show. It's, and we're not a sports show, but um, I just never really got into baseball. Um Sorry, I know it's going to offend some people, but just, you know, I'm into a lot of other sports and baseball is not one of them. But I have plenty of friends who are happy about the belated uh, opening day. So if that's you, um, enjoy uh, enjoy today. Matt, let's, uh, let's go to a break. I don't want to cram anything in here in three minutes. I want to do a long segment uh, on why I think Tucson has a transformative economic moment ahead. Uh, not only do I want to tell you that I think that's true, I want to try to prove to you that that's true. And I want to talk about uh, Tucson as the space city of the Southwest. Let's go to break a little bit early. We're warmed up. We're ready to go. Let's do this. We'll be right back here on Tipping Point, 1030 The Voice.
2: ready by and for the people of Tucson, 1030 The Voice, trusted local news and talk.
0: Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open-air Mercado San Agustin Annex just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends, as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento.
2: In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February.
0: Hey, guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I was hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I didn't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. And it's working. I'm losing the weight. If you're ready for a three-month journey to better health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com.
3: Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team.
0: And we're back, Tucson and all of southern Arizona. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Uh, Looking forward to talking about today, finally on Thursday, something that I've been promising since Monday. I haven't meant to break my promise, uh, but like it has been today, it was on Monday and Tuesday. It's an open phone line, hour 520-790-2040. Give me a call. I want to talk about um, what I think is Tucson's uh, economic moment Uh, A window that is available, but a window that is closing. I think um, Tucson's future is as the brand, Space City of the Southwest. And I don't want to just be the crazy dude on radio uh, saying, look, look, look over there. I want to prove it to you. Uh, But first I want to start with, uh, I I think that this economic moment in Tucson, I'm, I'm calling it our Pittsburgh moment. Our Pittsburgh moment. Uh, and, and if you've been a long time listener to the show, I, 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 I think I told the story a few months ago, but a week in radio life is a year. Uh, just the nature of this is is we cover a lot of topics uh, and y'all come in and out uh, as life allows you to and, and so like they say a week is a year in politics. I think a, a week is a week is a month in the radio business. but let me tell me tell you this really quick story again and then I want to tell you some of the things in the news this week that I think are really cool. We've been talking about the pothole issues, I call them, in Tucson that have to be addressed, but we've got some amazing moonshot, future-shaping seeds in the ground that are only possible in this beautiful community of ours that are available to us, and I wanna tell those stories too. March, 1979, the Three Mile Island Nuclear Generating Station malfunctioned, causing an environmental disaster. For four years, that plant was closed as no one could get close to the reactor's basement to clear the damage. Enter a robotics professor at Carnegie Mellon on the other side of the state in Pittsburgh. Actually, uh, uh, I might have to revise. uh, No, Carnegie Mellon is on the other side of the state in Pittsburgh. Uh, I got that wrong the first time I told this story. Uh, These are two different sides of the state. But they pulled 20 grad students together and built mobile robots to go do the work that people couldn't do. Now in 2022, we hear robots and we skim over it. In 1979, this was the crazy futurism. This was the future not yet seen. This was the horizon ahead. These 20 people were the catalyst for the robotics industry in the United States. Carnegie Mellon had just established the Robotics Institute funded in part by the private sector and the focus began Being on not just research, but commercialization. Hold on to that phrase. We'll get back to that in a minute. Robotics also led to autonomous vehicles. The community and the university and the private sector went all in on this emerging industry. Ten years later, the National Robotics Engineering Center started, funded by – this will be familiar to many of you here in our beautiful city and greater Tucson region – funded by NASA – NASA is funding a lot of stuff here right now. Academia and federal funding and the private industry uh, began to build and catch momentum. By 2015, Pittsburgh had become known as RoboBurg. They slapped a name on it. Dozens of companies with thousands of jobs arrived in co-working spaces, incubators, accelerators, brought entrepreneurship to the field. Carnegie Mellon, U-Pitt, and community colleges together—we have Chancellor Lee Lambert on the show tomorrow, by the way, quick plug Work together to be a talent greenhouse, growing skilled workers from within, and a talent magnet, attracting skilled workers from outside. Talent sprouting became a strategic cross-sector effort. And if you think all this sounds, you know, really highfalutin and lots of words and air quotes— from 2000 to 2015, the number of young college graduates grew by 53% in Pittsburgh. The city's overall population, by the way, dropped by 9%, but the number of young college graduates grew by 53%. And, and, and many of us will remember, if we don't know the details of this story, Pittsburgh, uh, in the old economy, as a, as a, as a uh, steel city, thrived in a large part of the 21st century. And then the world changed, manufacturing changed, steel changed, the knowledge economy came in. The fourth industrial revolution began to take hold and Pittsburgh's economy, like much of the economies in this part of the country, uh, stuttered and the community stuttered. Pittsburgh needed to take hold of a new story of the future of its community. And they did. This magic is not exclusive to Pittsburgh. I think this is a roadmap that Tucson could easily follow. And and I think this roadmap is what has led me to saying, what are those, what are those areas that we have a special talent in, in this area, in this region? What are those things where the university is driving uh, so much of the research and innovation? What are some of our natural clusters already with the private sector? And I look, and this is old news, so I won't spend time on it because I've talked about it a million times on this show, you know, when the border regions and the state legislature got together and formed the new economy initiative, they funded and they have provided funds to the three universities here in the state to do more of what they're good at, and they've said that Tucson, among among, uh, a, a total of three things, is really good at aerospace defense and space technologies and exploration and have dumped money in to do that. This is our Pittsburgh moment to take hold of a crazy futuristic idea and to say we are the driver of it, certainly in the Southwest, space city of the Southwest. You know, I was reminded earlier this week, and it's a, it's a piece out of KULD News, University of Arizona works to help close gap in hypersonics arm race. Listen to this, guys. This is, this is why I say a foot in the pothole and a foot on the moon, because no doubt, and I don't shy away from the issues, Tucson has a lot of nuts and bolts to work on, as do all communities, but we have our own special set. But we are a part of international... Events and movement here in this community. Reports KULD News, uh, two days ago, the U.S. has joined a security alliance to develop hypersonic missiles. The U.S., the U.K., and Australia will not only work to develop those missiles, but find a way to stop them. This comes as Russia has fired hypersonic missiles at Ukraine. Hypersonic weapons are so fast, so maneuverable, that modern defenses can't really stop them, says Dr. Alex Craig, an assistant professor of aerospace and mechanical engineering at the University of Arizona. Russia and China especially have been working in this field. Honestly, they are probably ahead of us right now. Enter the University of Arizona. Craig leads the university's Boundary Layer Stability and Transition Laboratory, which features this hypersonic wind tunnel capable of testing at air speeds of up to Mach 5. Wind tunnels like the one housed at the University of Arizona help researchers study the effects of hypersonic speed. Just this year, the university announced the Department of Defense and the state of Arizona gave researchers a total of $10 million to support a suite of upgrades for its hypersonic facilities. Just a few days ago, University of Arizona astronomers catch a possible planet-forming collision at a nearby star. This is a completely different uh, story. Astronomers from the University of Arizona have spotted the telltale signs of a massive crash between planet-sized objects orbiting a nearby star. This is space telescope astronomy technology that we've never had before. And there's never been uh, 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 this kind of eyewitness to an event. Absolutely amazing. The article in the Arizona Daily Star uh, ends by uh, talking about how uh, the U of A region's astronomy professor, Marsha Rieke, if I'm saying that right, helped to design the web, uh, uh, two main infrared cameras, the web telescope. As a result, the University of Arizona Uh, has been allotted 13% of the New Space Telescope's total observing time, the most of any astronomy center in the world. Can I repeat that? The University of Arizona has been allotted 13% of the New Space Telescope's total observing time, the most of any astronomy center in the world. There was a Wired article, I might get to it in the next break, in the next segment, I'm not sure, that talks about what is the future of space, and it revolves is space exploration and space tourism. We know that Tucson, Arizona um, has birthed space tourism companies and businesses and opportunities. I think we're in this window, and there's always a window, and it closes quicker than one might like. There's this window to say Tucson is the space city of the Southwest. And like Pittsburgh's story, it has to expand beyond the walls of the University of Arizona campus and has to go from research to commercialization. It has This has to be a moment where the private sector, the public sector, and academia come together and say, we're going to spend the next 10 years investing in this brand. We're going to figure out how to make this like RoboBerg. We're going to slap a name on it we're going to publicize it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to fund startups around it. We're going to do tech transfer out of the university out of it. We are going to, we, we are going to invest uh, venture capital into it. We are going to attract companies around it. We are going to go all in because the seeds are in the ground. I'm going to be doing a series later this month that talks about the past, the present, and the future of Tucson as the space city of the Southwest, a combination of aerospace and defense, of space exploration and space tourism. There is a past, there is a present, there is a future, and we have to take hold of the narrative in this community. I think Tucson is built to be the space city of the Southwest and beyond, but the space city of the Southwest. But we have to decide that we're gonna double down on this. And, and to this point, we have not made that decision. Our brothers and sisters up north are eating our lunch. Their hustle is eating our lunch right now uh, on talking about space in the local economy, uh, on, on creating research and educational programs, uh, on spreading this beyond the university campus into the community. We've got probably a 6-12 to 12 month window to do what I've said. And if we miss it, we miss it. 520 2040 Give me a call. Let me know. Am I completely nuts or do you see what I'm talking about? We'll come back and wrap this topic up on the other side. After that, Ruben Navarrete, the most widely read Latino columnist in the country, will come on to talk about Title 42. It's been in the news. We're going to talk about it and talk about it locally. We'll be right back. Lots to go here on Tipping Point with me, your host, Zach Yenser, on 1030 The Voice.
3: Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team
0: located just two doors down from the rialto theater little love burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch made hamburgers loaded hot dogs have ice cream milkshakes lovable local brews and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches they're open sunday tuesday wednesday and thursday from 9 a.m to 9 p.m and friday and saturday from 9 a.m to 10 p.m follow their beat on instagram and facebook at little love burger tucson and mention you heard about them on tipping point for 15 percent off your next order
4: Helping you make better money decisions is what The Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice.
0: And we're back, Tucson and all of southern Arizona. Good morning to you. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser here on AM1030 KVY The Voice uh, daily end-up news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenster, if you're just joining us. Uh, if you've been with us throughout the show, we finally got today here on Thursday, our Friday eve, what we tried to get to on Monday um, and Tuesday, uh, but that's okay because it's been an open phone lines week, and that's how I like it. We'll get to the phone lines uh, in just a second. We're talking about uh, Tucson's window of opportunity that I think is probably not much more than 12 months at this point to own, brand, plan, strategize, and become over the next 10 years, the space city of the Southwest. This is our Pittsburgh moment. This is the, for them, it was robotics before robotics was really understood. For us, it is space, space tech, space exploration, space tourism, aerospace and defense. We are in a interstate, intrastate competition uh, with our brothers and sisters up north uh, to own this space, no pun intended. You just have to take my word for it. Um, this is a little under the surface, but it is happening. Um, and uh, we have funding and resources to do. We got to have the right people driving this. And we have to start moving in the next six to 12 months. It's, it is that urgent. So that's what we've been talking about. If you missed it, listen back to the last segment. Before we go to the phone lines here, uh, I want to shout out our segment sponsor, Little Love Burger. They opened downtown last fall, serving up the juiciest burgers, little hot dogs, ice cream, milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media, at Little Love Burger, and mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for a 15.15% discount off your Next order uh, to continue the conversation, Matt. Let's go to the phone lines. I think uh, Jonathan is on. If I have that right, Jonathan, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. You're live on the air.
4: Thanks, Zach. Really enjoying the show. I, I had a question on on what you uh, what your vision was for the for the future. I, I know that uh, New Mexico has that huge uh, spaceport USA facility for, where they're doing the, a lot of the private launches. And you mentioned space tourism being born in uh in tucson and 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 actually that never really that never really happened because the you know worldview started off as that, but a lot of the investors were um, um, looking more at the uh remote sensing angle, mm-hmm. and that's where all the um, um the, the work is going now, and the uh, space tourism couple left and went to Florida, and I don't know if, uh, if that's still a, an ongoing concern or not. But the, uh, you know, locally, with the, with the world view, they're doing uh, remote sensing and, and pretty much abandon the space tourism. So are you thinking more of um, a space industry that, that complements the uh, um, tourism and the private space launches? or uh, competing with that.
0: Yeah, Jonathan, I appreciate the question. And uh, you are correct up to up to probably five, six months ago, uh, that worldview started in space tourism. Um, and then that shifted for a variety of reasons to the remote sensing components and technology components. Um, and then new leadership stepped in a year and a half ago. Um, and they are now adding back in the space tourism component. Uh, they've actually developed a uh, – they're developing a five-day experience, they call it, uh, with – I'm counting seven spaceports that are going to develop around the world, one at the Grand Canyon. Uh, here in Arizona, where people will be able to actually take tours into the stratosphere. Uh, And they're working with a nonprofit that is designed to uh, make this something that more than billionaires can experience. I think the cost now, uh, this is not still in the average bank account of most people, but you can see... Um, that it's getting less and less expensive in probably five or ten years, maybe fifteen, it'll be much more accessible to the average, you know, person. But I think it's fifty, fifty, twenty five to fifty thousand um, dollars, which sounds like a lot and it is, but in this new field it's 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 a lot more affordable. Um but the space tourism component, they just got some investors um, and are going full bore on it. And this I think news was announced last October and Worldview was at South by Southwest in Austin to talk about space tourism. So um, in the sense, is Worldview still based here in Tucson? Yes, it, are, 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 is the space tourism going to launch out of Tucson? No, the most Arizona will be the Grand Canyon. Um, but the company is here and it is getting back to the mission that it was supposed to do um, early on. And so I think in terms of being a company started and located here that is on the cutting edge of more affordable space tourism, I think we can start hanging our hat, hopefully um, on worldview. And I know that there's some uh, court cases still going on around the gift clause um, and whether or not Pima County violated the gift clause way back in the day, Um, but my hunch is going to be that uh, Pima County is going to win for a third time on this. The Goldwater Institute keeps losing, and I'm not sure why they keep bringing it up, but it's a third court case. They, they keep losing, and, and we'll see what happens. I know that uh, court case was last week, but Worldview is back on track with space um, with space tourism. So I think uh, that that is a, that is a component. Uh, but then I think also uh, there have been some great companies started out at the U of A over the last number of years. Freefall Aerospace is one uh, that is about kind of that uh, remote technology and certainly around the growth of 5G uh, as that technology becomes more real-time. And, and, and that's an antenna company. Um, and then, of course, you know, I think the the, the NASA research and exploration um, is another element of it. But I'm looking forward to talking next week as well um, with Stephen Fleming, uh, who is connected to the new Space Institute out of the University of Arizona. And then we're going to do a three part series at the end uh, of this month. We're going to start it by the end of this month. That will look at the present, the the past, present, and future of space in this community, uh, because to a large degree. Um, you know, I, I can kind of point to here's where we need to go. Uh, but I also want to bring in guests who can say here's exactly what that roadmap, uh, what that roadmap looks like. So Jonathan, there was a lot in your call there. I think I only scratched the surface. Uh, but the space tourism component is, is very, very fresh and very new and it's back. So um, that is exciting. Matt, uh, you're going to have to kick me off because we need to go to a break. When we come back, Ruben Navarrete will be with us. Uh, he's the most widely read Latino columnist in the country. We're going to talk Title 42 uh, and the pulling back of Title 42 by the the Biden administration and l- the the local context around it, and then what it means both locally and nationally. So I'm looking forward, as always, to his insights and thoughts uh, on our way back here for the final segment of Tipping Point on 10:30 The Voice.
2: to Vail and everywhere in between. 1030 The Voice. Trusted local news and talk In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February.
0: Hey, guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I was hanging on to 30 pounds myself, that I didn't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. And it's working. I'm losing the weight. If you're ready for a three-month journey to better health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order.
1: time with Devin and her team. Hello, Tucson.
3: Have you heard of local nonprofit Impact of Southern Arizona, where we are more than just a food bank, with a clothing bank, youth and senior programs, where we are moving people forward? Arizona Gives Day is coming up on April 5th and 6th, where you have the chance to support organizations like Impact. Learn more about Impact of Southern Arizona and our critical programs at www.impactsoaz.org.
4: When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA.
5: This is Bill Buckmaster, Pima County Supervisor Steve Christie at noon on 1030 Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk.
0: And we're back, Tucson, and all of southern Arizona. Good morning to you. You're back here on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. We now welcome back, after a bit of a break, it was too long of a break, Ruben Navarrete, the most widely read Latino columnist in the country from his perch uh, in southern California. Looking at national issues, you've read uh, his work in the Daily Beast, Washington Post. You've maybe seen him over the years at CNN, Fox News, everything in between. Uh, and now host of his own uh, podcast as well, Ruben, in the center. Uh, on with us to talk about the, uh, the, the pulling back of Title 42, a COVID-era uh, pol- immigration policy put in place by the Trump administration in 2020 and kept by the Biden administration uh, until May of this year. And there's a lot of strings to pull on this. Ruben Navarrete, thanks for being with us. Uh, to have a discussion about it today. How are you?
5: Shaq, great to be back with you. Thanks.
0: So so give me the 30-second Ruben Layman's version of what is Title 42. Let's start there. Then I want to talk about some of the, the local right. Arizona-related uh, kind of streams to pull on this.
5: So Title 42 is a uh, a policy that exists at the intersection between COVID-19, public health concerns, and the immigration debate at that intersection. It is something that was created for purpose A that has been used cynically by Republicans and Democrats alike for purpose B. It was always created to say that during a pandemic, we should be able to implement Title 42 to say that we're going to have a temporary pause on people coming here to seek asylum. But in the hands of Donald Trump, who was one of the most racist, nativist, anti-immigrant presidents in American history, both legal and illegal immigrants, he didn't like either kind, Title 42 was used very cynically and very transparently to keep out, conveniently to keep out, uh, anybody who might apply for asylum, be they from Haiti or Central America or wherever. And this only became an issue, and then it was kept on, as you said, by Joe Biden, who I would also say, uh has uh, a tradition of being a white supremacist in many cases uh joe biden who let us not kid ourselves got to where he is by pushing the 1994 crime bill uh pushing mass incarceration and basically telling white folks vote for me because i can protect you from the black folks that's joe biden so in the hands of these two presidents they both use title 42 for political reasons and not healthcare reasons lastly This only became an issue when Russia invades Ukraine, The Ukrainians come to the border, and we do the right thing, which is to write in an exception of Title 42 and say that if you come from Ukraine, you get to go to the front of the line, and you should be able to immigrate into the U.S. and apply for asylum. And it was only a matter of time, once we made the exception for the Ukrainians, that the Haitians, the Guatemalans, the Hondurans were all going to say, hey, what about me? And that's where we are.
0: If we have time at the end, I... I no, no, that
5: pretty damn good. I got to tell you, I just listened to myself say that, Zach. Just, <laughs> do not try this at home, folks. I'm a professional communicator. I do this for a living.
0: You know, if all else fails, Ruben, you can always give yourself a pat on the back.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I, I must have to. I don't, nobody else is going to do it from right or left.
0: If we have time in the end, I know we won't, but we'll have you on subsequently. I'd love to, I'd love to dig into that a little bit because I felt, uh, like comparing our border situation to the Ukrainian refugee crisis is kind of apples and oranges. Um, but we have a lot to get to, and so I want to get to that first and then, and then, uh, and then circle back. You know, it's been interesting because under the Trump administration, we had both the migrant protection protocols, um, which was overall, uh, a, uh, a U.S. government action where individuals coming to the U.S. border uh, with Mexico, whether they were coming from Mexico or further south, uh, would be returned to Mexico and wait outside of the U.S. for the duration of their immigration proceedings. And if memory serves me correct, that was in place. Uh, and then Title 42 was kind of a uh, a COVID-related piece to that overall migrant protection process. Um, uh, protocol, And so it's been interesting to look at immigration policy over the last few years. And I guess it connects to what I'm seeing locally um, where we saw a drastically lower uh, numbers of individuals crossing into the United States under those protocols uh, than we did post-January of 2021. Uh, When the Biden administration took over, uh, and it's not just Republicans saying this, Ruben, what's interesting is that Democrats certainly here in Arizona are actually split on the issue. We've seen Senator Mark Kelly, uh, especially, who uh, is basically saying, look, there was no plan to the pulling back of Title 42. There's no plan to manage uh, the surge of individuals along the border. Uh, This is not only politically uh, really difficult, especially for senators in his position, but there's just no policy plan. Uh, Others, like our Tucson son, Romero, on uh, NPR this week, said that it's great, let's do it, we can do it, we can manage it. But border Democrats across the border are actually really split on this, Ruben. Your thoughts?
5: Yes, border Democrats are split on this. Latino Democrats are split on this. The closer you get to the border, it's always been the case. The more anxious you feel about the border surge, that makes sense. Uh, It it would be a mistake to think that if you're a Latino Democrat living on the border, you're automatically in favor of a border surge. That's completely wrong. Uh, That's something most uh, white reporters who come in from CNN from New York don't get. Uh, when they come into CRV or somewhere else in, in, South, um, in South Arizona. Uh, they don't go to Nogales. They go to Douglas. They don't understand that dynamic. But in terms of Mark Kelly and what's happening at the congressional level and at the Senate level, for Mark Kelly. I feel You've got to feel bad for Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly is a senator. He likes it. He likes being called senator. He's got a big office. And he does not want to have to go back to getting a real job. Mark Kelly's number one priority right now is to be reelected. And if Mark Kelly were not up for reelection this year, this would not be top of his mind. He might actually have more flexibility towards supporting the administration. But he cannot do that, because as long as I've been familiar with Arizona politics, and that dates back to 1997 when I first moved to Arizona to Phoenix to cover politics, uh, I have become aware of this dynamic of cowardly Democrats. Arizona Democrats have no spine. Whether you're talking about Jan Napolitano, whether you're talking about Kristen Cinema, whether you're talking about Mark Kelly... I mean, the very fact that you had, uh, you know, SB 1070, it, it passed not just because of Republican, evil Republicans like Russell Pierce, but also because Democrats didn't do anything to stop it. So the, the Arizona Democratic Party is gutless. And it's full of white Democrats who don't really care about Latino immigrants to begin with, except when they can use them to get reelected. And then something like this comes along, Title 42, and man, do they hide under their desk. And I've spent almost 30 years covering the phenomenon of arizona democrats who hide under their desk uh and so i'm I'm quite familiar with the species and mark kelly's doing it again
0: well what what um it it, it sounds ruben like you are uh, potentially in favor of the rollback of title 42 if i'm wrong on that please correct me but what do we do about the numbers that we're looking at where encounters at the u.s mexico border uh, Reached their highest level on record in 2021. What, what do we? And, and I'm not saying that you know that's always said to blame somebody. I'm not going there today. But what about what about those numbers and the charts that right. we see? What do we do about it?
5: I say this. I say that a country of 330 million people can absorb tens of thousands of immigrants along the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, I say that what we learned from the Vietnamese refugees, what we learned from the Cuban refugees. What we learned from the Jewish refugees who came out of Europe to the United States, and not enough of them came because we kept them out, because of of blatant anti-Semitism in the 1930s. But what we learned from all those groups is it is misnomer to think somehow refugees come here and they wreck the country. Refugees have never come to wreck the country. They always leave the country better and stronger than they found it. Those three cases before, the Cubans, the Vietnamese, and the Jews, prove it. Unless we want to go on record and say somehow that we don't think the Haitians and the Central Americans are out of the same stuff as the other three groups, uh, I think we have to be not so afraid. Um, but here's, here's the bigger point, Zach, and here's what nobody else has said. I seem to recall the Republican Party arguing about masking and, and vaccines and mask, masking and COVID-19, that these things should be temporary measures. Somebody who looked an awful lot like Arizona Governor Doug Ducey, went around the country and said masking should be a temporary thing it cannot be made permanent and they said if you're a democrat and a liberal and you're fauci or whoever and you want us to keep masks on permanently you're crazy because this is temporary no fair doug Ducey said no fair to take something that was supposed to be temporary and then make it permanent same thing here same exact thing here title 42 was always supposed to be temporary i say what Ducey said back then no fair to republicans Trying to make permanent something that was always meant to be temporary. So I really have to sit here and read back the Republicans' words to them? Are they so? Are we talking about memory loss, hypocrisy, inconsistency? They said something on Monday, and now on Friday they're oppos- they're arguing the opposite.
0: Ruben, we had a we had a, a listener message, and not only do listeners call in, but they can also uh, message in. Um, and, and a question was, and this may be how we uh, let you go in two minutes, uh, sure. what is yeah. the Ruben Navarrete roadmap for Senator Mark Kelly, uh, regardless of <laughs> uh, re-election strategy? And, and, and that may be unfair to fully say his position is only based on re-election strategy. But no, what's, what, not, what's no, the Ruben roadmap not, no. for Kelly?
5: It's not unfair to say that. Politician of either party who's up for re-election this year in a tight 50-50 Senate in a mostly conservative state and you're a Democrat, that you're worried about re-election. That's just common sense. So I'm not here to help get Mark Kelly get elected or reelected. I'm not sure from what I've seen so far that he's worth keeping in office. I'm not sure Arizona voters wouldn't be better off without him just because he has a D after his name. Uh, my, I have an unfair standard. My, my, my standard is Robert Kennedy. It always goes back to Robert Kennedy, who when asked uh, famously by groups of people as he was talking about taking care of the poor, And college students said, up, wait a minute, who's going to pay? They stood up and said, wait a minute, who's going to pay for this? Bobby went out and pointed his finger and said, you are. Okay, they don't make them like that anymore. Mark Kelly, I studied Robert Kennedy. I worship Robert Kennedy. From the looks of it, Mark Kelly, you're no Bobby Kennedy.
0: Yeah, and it's it's interesting uh, looking at the incredibly low numbers uh, of immigration in the 1960s. Uh, and to think that in America we thought what we were seeing then was a lot. It has, it's almost off the chart literally, uh, today. And I think, uh, nobody is really focused on actually tackling and solving the issue. And Ruben, uh, that's an editorializing that you and I have talked about many times on the show. And I uh, uh, always appreciate your points of view and, and, and getting the conversation going. Ruben, where can people go and find you off the air? So often our conversations yes. either either lead to or come out of things that you've already written about. So where can we find you?
5: Right, they can find me at com. My, my, um, my podcast, Ruben in the Center, available at all podcast apps, and also you can find me regularly at the Daily Beast, DailyBeast.com, and I papers around the country.
0: Ruben Navretti, will put a pin in there. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we will see you sooner than later.
5: Zach, thanks so much.
0: Thanks, Ruben. When we come back tomorrow, Pima Community College Chancellor Lee Lambert will be our guest. Looking forward to that conversation and much more. Hugh Hewitt, in the meantime, Bill Buckmaster at noon. We'll be back, Tucson, 9 a.m. tomorrow, Friday. See you there.